This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Stacey LeBaron, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Yes, Stacey LeBaron introducing the tennis podcast here on the semi-finals day at the ATP Finals. Thank you to Stacey for backing us in our Kickstarter last year so that we could do our 120-plus tennis podcasts this year. We're going to hit 130 if we possibly can. Thanks, Stacey. Yeah, well, that's Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Uh, we've got all the uh, dailies from the Davis Cup Finals coming up. And yeah, Stacey and all the many others that have introduced the show have been responsible for us being able to fly mats to to uh, Australia and give him a job and he's in, in Madrid right now it's all happening uh, and uh, so thank you very much uh, and we will be running our Kickstarter from December the 2nd on Monday to December the 2nd uh, and if you'd like to introduce the show next year you'll be able to so anyway details to come on that right tennis Oto Arena ATP Finals we've just had uh, Dominic Team beating Alexander Zverev in pretty straightforward not exactly dramatic and not exactly exhilarating fashion. Is that fair to say, Catherine? No, we've just had, had by far the lesser of the two single semi-finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, should we should we should we deal with it first so that people stay tuned for? Yeah, let's the do that. Analysis of the better semi-final. Yeah. The good one to come, folks. <laughs> uh, why was it underwhelming? That that's one of the questions I have because building up to it. I find it hard to get underwhelmed by Dominic Team generally at the moment because he's such an exciting player to watch, particularly given that he seems to have just changed his outlook on life over the last year or so. Yeah, he has. And I, I was trying to analyse this as well because I am so excited by Dominic Team. And if you ask me to pick out on paper going into today who of the eight players from, from the draw have you been most excited by... I probably would have said Dominic Team, but he is somebody that still relies on matchups, both in terms of his playing style and his personality. You know, he's not a exuberant personality on the court. He lets his tennis do the talking, um, and he 
he can set a match on fire. We've seen that twice this week already, and how. But he needs some help, I think. He, he can't carry a whole thing on his own. And he was on the court tonight with somebody who was draining the vibes from the stadium, frankly. It was a depressing watch Alexander Zverev tonight and I'm sure a depressing experience for him and it's not that I have no sympathy for him but he needs to handle his shit better on the court because that was depressing and um, demoralising to watch and he's not he's not a kid anymore you can't toss your racket off the court uh, across the court and sit there waiting for sit there like a petulant child waiting for an actual child to collect that racket deliver it to you and for you to then just point at your racket bag dismissively for the child to to put it down there as she's trying to hand it to you I thought that was a pretty unpleasant sight really and I understand heat of the moment etc I'm sure he's a nicer person than that in real life, but it's not good enough. And he's not getting very far, is he? No, with, it's with not getting behavior. him anywhere. If you, and if you think back... Sending him backwards. A couple of months ago, the, the all-time greats, what they said to him, as they charged off court at once at Orwood Milos Raonic, not one negative face. I want to see fist pumps and come-ons every point. Because they know, they know what it takes, and he hasn't—he hasn't figured that out. Now, he—it may be that he is in a really bad way. I don't, I don't know. He may mentally just be really struggling with everything, and and not be able to to do that. In which case, he needs to get some help, sharpish, or maybe it just won't happen for him. But this is not working right now. This—the petulance, the the. Losing the plot, frankly, and beating himself. Once, what happens is, and Laura Robson, I was commentating with tonight, who's who's a pretty astute observer, and she doesn't pull punches either. She said, you know, he's quite mentally tough when he's in the match, when he's ahead, he he will hang in. The moment he goes behind and gets a break of serve behind, he's he's the, the total opposite of that. Yeah, he is now one and twelve against top five players this year after losing the first set the one that he won uh, actually no sorry not this year overall and the one that he won after losing the first set was against Vavrinka in Miami 2017 so he hasn't come back from a set behind against a top five player since for for, what's that two and a half years ago Mm, yeah Um, and it's it's poor, and I look. I do want to make allowances for for him having a tough time, but I do. There is a line, I think, in between some elements of his behaviour and others, and it's the bits that reek of entitlement that bother me. Yeah. It's the entitlement that bothers me, and maybe he doesn't realise that that's how it's coming across. There was a quote from I can't quite remember exactly what it was about. Um, quote from his press conference after the Medvedev match yesterday um, 
and I can't remember what the question was, but he felt he had been misinterpreted a bit, and he said, "Oh no, you're you're taking what I said a bit out of context. There, you're going to make me sound like I'm coming off as arrogant, which I know some people think." Um, and it was quite revealing, actually, that he obviously is a bit conscious of how he's coming across, and I, I, I'm sure he doesn't intend to. But equally. You are the sum of your actions, aren't you? You are yeah. the, you are the sum of your behaviours. I don't really and know. And you know the the path to hell is paved with good intentions. And I'm okay with him being frustrated with how he how he's playing. Double faulting on set point is is shit, isn't it? Um, but it it just the way he sat there waiting for that child to scamper across the court and hand him his racket and him not even looking her in the eye. And saying thank you and taking it from her, just pointing at his racket bag, made me wince. That was my reaction. I winced when I saw that. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think I think he is a better bloke than than we get to see a lot of the time. Judging the way Dominic team behaves towards him, there's such warmth mm. between them. That it, oh, I, found, I, I hear loads of good things about about Alexander Zverev. Everyone talks about how what a grounded warm families from and yeah he's he's got he's got the right friends and the right people around him by all accounts Jez Green's a great bloke isn't he and he's really yep. stuck with him his brother's um, lovely yeah and I don't I don't think Jez Green would stick around if no. he didn't think there was and a good deal of integrity there and so on but but that doesn't forgive no but and let's not forget Jez has been in the box when Andy Murray's been kicking off somebody we think an awful lot of but who whose behaviour at times on court has been appalling really towards his, his mm. support team and, and Andy was the first to admit that um, the, the difference is Andy Murray often plays better when he's behaving like that. You know, he, he still produces. Zverev, it feels like it starts to happen when things are going wrong and they continue to go wrong. It's it's not helping him, all this. He's got to find a better way. And, and I just feel like, you know, if Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer are shouting in your ear hole that this is the way to behave, to, to keep that in and to, and to be positive then maybe you really should be listening and finding a way to do it. Um, and maybe that's oversimplifying it. Maybe he can't. Maybe he never will. But if he doesn't, I'm not sure he will ever conquer this. So, good vibes needed for Alexander Zverev in the future. Good vibes everywhere for Dominic <laughs> Team right now. Um, and I'm not sure who I'm more excited about in terms of their development out of him and Sitsipas. It's it's a really close run thing because I did not expect to feel like this about team this this few months. I, I thought where we were with team was where we were going to be, and that eventually we'd get a French Open. Didn't think that we would get this. Didn't think until a few until a few until you Vienna. The, uh, you thought the Lever Cup intro. <laughs> would turn out to be accurate. What was it? Baseline clay, grinder? Clay court grinder, Dominic T. Yeah. When, when, I mean, look, there's, and there have been obviously the, the moments in that US Open match against Nadal where you just think this is just so electrifying. But I never, th- I've always thought that that was reactive tennis. That was always him backs against the wall and no, no other choice than to hit out. Now he's hitting out as a matter of course. He's going out and trying to just dominate people, no matter who they are. And I love that. 
I always thought it was possible with his game. I just thought he was um, too modest and fatalistic to to embrace and accept that he could be more. Yeah, but he, and he would also keep on playing tournament after tournament after tournament, as we know, which is not the way you you maximise your performances at the biggest tournaments it's just not we've, we've seen that so many times and things have changed he is a different beast now and um, I'm going to sound an awful lot like Greg Rzezki now but I, I really do think it all hinges on the decision to part ways with Gunter Bresnik and to employ Nicholas Massu and that's and I'm sure these are words that Dominic Team said um, at great length and with a lot more feeling um, at the time, uh, that's not to dismiss, obviously, what Gunter Bresnik has done for Dominic Team. He's he's made him into the guy he was, what, eight months ago when, um, when they parted ways. But he made him into that and he did what he could do and he was potentially holding him back a bit at that stage. Um, we know his approach to tennis, it's, you know, harden, harden your player. Get, turn them into an Iron Man that can play week in, week out and cope with anything. Well, he'd done that. He was an Iron Man. It was, it was becoming counterproductive at that point. Um, and maybe f- seemed like a left-field choice at the time, Nicholas Massou, but I assume at the time that the approach was made, my guess is the pitch was, I can turn you into more than this, Dominic. You, you need to broaden your horizons a well, bit and, it just and feels like believe. He's, he's focused on a few things that you know how some some players and some coaches will say you need to strengthen your strength you need to make that weapon of yours something that just can hurt anybody well he's got a few of those um, and he he doesn't play sort of grinding tennis now the way that maybe Bresnik got him playing he, he feels like he plays almost superhero tennis where he didn't tonight though it was very unexplosive tonight which I actually found really really impressive it disappointed me in terms of the match and made it a, a, a slightly damp squib of a spectacle um, but that was largely because of Zverev and I think also he was a very very nervous team I think he was encumbered by his by tension I don't think he was able to freewheel yeah. and hit out in the way that he was previously and the fact that he dealt with that so well um, and you know Zverev was out there having a strop because everything wasn't going his way it wasn't actually going team's way hugely it was a bitty performance it was you know he obviously wasn't middling it and feeling it and feeling loose like he had been but he thought it's alright I can still win I'll just do it at 70%. Well, he used base level, didn't he? Yeah. We've, we've talked all this year about how he's developed a base level that can win him a lot of matches, and he still won it in straight sets. So, again, it's arguably just really good news for him. Um, and and Nicholas Masu is back, incidentally. He'd gone to the Davis Cup. He'd gone to the Davis Cup. With Matt. Which, he's, he's done the Davis Cup before it's even started. <laughs> Nicholas Massou Matt's not back and we're a bit down about it I don't quite understand what Nicholas Massou's relationship with the Davis Cup is at this stage <laughs> instead we've got Marcelo Rios yeah. in his jeans at the, uh, at the you know everybody's when, wearing a suit and he's wearing his jeans you know when you sometimes watch a, watch a film and there's like an actor in it that seems like they're in a different film <laughs> well when you watch your scenes you're like was the director saying something different to you 
<laughs> we handed a slightly different version of the script with different notes on it. Have you turned up That's at the wrong... That's what I thought when I saw that picture of Marcelo Rios. Have you turned up at the wrong set? Yeah. That's what it looked like. Has someone told you this is a comedy? <laughs> why, are you, why are you wearing that mask? <laughs> right. Um, so, Dominic team now faces Stefano Sitsipas. Yeah. In the final. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's just, isn't it? It feels like the right outcome for the final. It's not the one any of us predicted. No one predicted that, right? No. No, good. No, I don't think so. um, Although I have got two in a row in two days right, haven't I? Because I said Sitsipas would beat Federer last night. Start to get that in there. Yep. Okay, um, moving on. The the way he won today what what was your takeaway from it was your were you disappointed with Federer I mean it was 6-3-6-4 I can't remember which one um, but where do where do you put the win I don't think it was bad from Federer it wasn't like it was against Djokovic I he's just really outplayed really outplayed I know he he did make some errors on some big points but the similarities with uh, Melbourne were extraordinary, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Well, and this is it the thing. Really extraordinary. When you say outplayed, what's interesting is statistically, it doesn't look like that because he had 12 break points. Sitsipas only had four. Sitsipas converted three of those four. Federer converted one of the 12, which is, ex- I mean, it really is quite jarring, really, isn't it? I'm going to do a shoddy job of articulating this because I've had one beer and it's nearly midnight. But that statistic is slightly misleading, isn't it? Because Sitsipas only had four break points because he had converted, he was doing such a good job of converting break points. Had he not converted any of those four, he might have ended up in lots of juices and had to do with what Federer was doing. Which well, was creating a breakpoint, going back to juice, creating another breakpoint, going back to juice, and not taking yes. any of them. So it's not not shoddy, Catherine. That was quite good. Well done. <laughs> um, keep drinking. Um, I feel like my annoying brother probably could have expressed that in about four words. No, I think I'm, I'm, I'm with where you were. <laughs> um, the thing that struck me right from the off, and I remember thinking exactly the same thing at the Australian Open, and, and I'm sure. I'd, I just didn't think it at the other two where Federer won in straight sets because they were over so quickly, but just the difference in physicality between the Mm. two. There was a moment where they had their photo taken at the net and Tsitsipas looked enormous. Yeah. He He was a good head and a half taller. I thought exactly the same. He had coat hanger shoulders. He, he was I mean, several shades sort of more tanned. He made Federer look like a slightly anemic... Yeah, Federer looked small. ...relative. <laughs> you know, to see Federer look like that is... You know, he usually dominates the court. He looked like all the way through, in, and including in the rallies, it felt like Federer was reactive. He was having to be reactive to Sitsipas, which is a really weird situation to be and he was having to use his talent just to compete mm. right? and what I mean by that is his timing with half volleys on the baseline manipulating the ball just in order to keep the guy off him or at least try to it's, it felt like those films sometimes where the superheroes just met a bigger superhero and no matter <laughs> what they do can't really handle the other bloke's powers and 
I thought Sitsipas all the way through, I was expecting Sitsipas to win. Yeah. Pretty much from the first There was ball. never a moment where I was thinking, oh, Sitsipas is waiting for the other shoe to drop here, or, you know, if an opportunity did come along that he failed to take I didn't worry that he was thinking oh that's my chance gone I've blown it I've you know the mental frailty that inevitably so often creeps in with these young guys it's what it's what sets them apart you know every time I watch Shapovalov I am thinking against one of the top guys I'm waiting for the other, if he's in any kind of even even footing type position I'm thinking When's the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. When's the spell going to break? When's he going to doubt himself? Federer described Sid Sebastian in his post-match press conference as hard as nails, tough as nails, I think it was. Mm. And, and I thought, what a, what a compliment. And yet soft as goo yeah. also. I mean, so disarming. Managed to get the spelling right on his bizarre <laughs> cultural tribute on the camera today. Which one was that? Stranger Things, which I don't know if that was some sort of philosophical assessment of his experience or whether he was just saying I really like the Netflix series Stranger Things and nothing more than that but he spelt it right and he looked really pleased with himself and then and then then he did the on-court interview with Annabelle Croft which is lovely and he said I don't care who I play which given the disparity in the head-to-heads against Zverev and team I mean he's owned Zverev and very much not owned team um, I found bizarre and yet I still believe him <laughs> I still believe he just didn't care and thought well I'll, I'll beat whoever it is I'm you view it as a challenge that's yeah the exactly um, and then and then they um, they did the ATP the tournament did this tribute to um, players that have retired throughout the course of this year which is a lovely thing to do they'd, they'd tried to do it after the doubles but the uh, the doubles match went very very long in fact delayed the start of the singles um, quite considerably um, so they rescheduled it for after the singles and uh, so they wheeled out all of these players that retired this year culminating in Thomas Burdick who officially announced his retirement today and um, Annabelle did an interview with Burdick they played they played a montage on the big screen all really lovely and the um, the director is obviously wanting to cut to sort of reaction shots of of Sitsipas because that's really nice he was sat there on the the bench while it was all happening Sitsipas decided uh, to remain topless throughout this this ceremony so there were a couple of sort of really quick cutaways to Sitsipas before the World Feed director obviously realised oh no he is indecent cut away from that immediately <laughs> it was just so so Sitsipas yeah. just in his own little world sat there semi-nude <laughs> watching the world go by <laughs> <laughs> he said he said about those break points that he didn't take and and the the similarities you mentioned between this and the Australian Open was that he had 12 break points against him on that day and he he didn't get broken once this time he got broken on the, the single occasion also with 12 break points he was asked about what it's like facing those break points whether it's stressful he said no it's uh, you know it's it's like a challenge he said, I mean, obviously, I would prefer not to have to save them, but you, he genuinely looked as though he meant that, that he he just thinks, isn't this great? 
I, I mean, there's there's a stat that he's about four years old when Roger Federer reached... Four years and three months when Federer played his first ATP finals in he was, 2002. When he, was a, he was a four-year-old. I mean, extraordinary. And um, four and a half. And uh, he... He just looks as though he can't quite believe his luck, that he's here, that he's getting to play in this arena. And but he also feels like he belongs. Yeah. Which is the magical formula, isn't it? Yeah. That is so rare. And you either get starry-eyed, dreamer, can't believe my luck, can't believe I'm here, which is adorable and lovely and heartwarming and likeable, Matteo Berrettini, or you get sort of... Zverev style yeah this is my fucking house <laughs> I've already sworn on this podcast I don't know why I just censored myself um, but to have both in one weird and wonderful human being it's, it's cool is really really special it is um, and one of the things that was really noticeable to me because he's playing Federer you, you inevitably end up watching what the crowd reaction is like to people and we've talked about it a lot because of what happened with Djokovic the other night but there's he really grows on the crowd doesn't he Sitsabas even the ones even the Federer oh, there was huge support for Federer today but I get the sense that people just find Sitsabas lovable as well and there was an affection for him and you can you could imagine him winning people over yeah it was funny during the match obviously it was overwhelming support for Federer polite entirely respectful and polite towards Sitsabas but overwhelming insanity towards Roger Federer uh, cheer-led by John Burko, who I thought was having a coronary event during that uh, game when Sitsipas was trying to serve out the first set and Federer had all those break points. It was an immense game. It was glorious, but... Is, is that the one where Sitsipas outlasted Federer and took everything he got, finished it with a backhand, went down the line and started laughing at his own amazement? Correct. Amazing tennis. Yes. <laughs> Um, can't remember what I was going to say. I've been derailed by John Burke. Thoughts? <laughs> it was it was like when he hit that backhand, and it was after a really extended twenty-shot rally. It was as though he'd sort of been playing Roger Federer on a computer game, yeah, it was. and he'd taken him on and won, and he couldn't quite believe that this was real. Um, and it was lovely. Yeah. It was just so lovely to see, see that on his face. I was going to say about the crowds, was wasn't I? I thought so. It was it was subdued but polite support. Obviously, with pockets of Greek Tsitsipas support around the place throughout the match. But then, when he won, and it was over for Federer, and Federer fans had, had there was <laughs> there was no cause. Suddenly, there was just this outpouring. Yeah. From, from everyone in the stadium I thought even the Federer fans possibly not Burko um, he was probably just crying um, but majority I felt like they went okay well Federer's out there's no no point in dwelling on that I'm totally happy to yeah to support this guy I, I was standing next to a family uh, looked like two uh, teenagers maybe about 18 um son and daughter parents and the daughter was sat next to her mum 
and every time Federer won a point, the mum went up, and every time Sitsipas won a point, the daughter went up. It was oh. hilarious, and they were so into it. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be it's going to be another really interesting year. But just as a tennis player, Sitsipas. I know he's. I know he had a few rocky months this year, but he has everything, from what I can see. As an athlete, the way he moves, his athleticism, his sheer strength, reminds me of when, all those years ago, Per Bastolt, the ATP trainer, told me that Roger Federer's grip was stronger than every other player. When he was 19 years of age, they used to do these grip tests, and he had this twig-like arm. And yet, when they did a grip test, Federer had the strongest grip on the tour and when I look at Sitsipas, he's not bulging biceps like some of the players he's not burly like Berrettini but he looks statuesque so strong he looks mm. like he just goes into the forest and starts felling trees he's perfectly balanced isn't yeah. he his, his physique is perfectly balanced yeah it's he's got dexterity I remember I, mean, I, I thought I until the French Open this year, I don't think I don't think I saw him in the flesh at the Australian Open. I did see him in press conferences actually, but I hadn't seen him really up close. I don't think I'd interviewed him, or I did interview him at the Australian Open, didn't I? Anyway, I'll I'll tell this now extremely watered down, compromised story. Anyway, I was in a lift with him uh, at the French Open. Um, because as you know, I was staying in his hotel, or he was staying in my hotel. We were staying in the same hotel. Um, and I I was totally gobsmacked. I, I, I just, I, I sort of remember having to sort of lean back. I did an awkward lean back and look, I had to crane my neck um, to, to, just to see his face and, and, assure myself that it was in fact Stefano Sitsipas and I was thinking to myself this is a 20 year old boy that you're sharing a confined space with and I'd, he was just looming like a sort of monster in a in a horror movie <laughs> it, 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 it really really struck me big bloke what a how how large he was <laughs> and I thought of that when I saw that uh, the, the photo at the net he did with Federer today I thought well Federer's having the same experience that I had <laughs> in the lift at the Mercure <laughs> this Indeed. May right and who's winning this final it's a, it's a, it's a tough one this isn't it I mean uh, you know, no, I think I've done... pass is winning this final ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. 
Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it, but if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I think it's going to be a classic. Yeah, I think Sitsipas in three sets. They met in the Beijing finals, three sets. Sitsipas won the first, team won in the end. Their previous meetings before that, none of them were this year, I don't think. So I kind of disregard those. Yeah, Yeah, I think Sitsipas. I think so too. Same, three sets. And then right. is he going to have a horrible year next year? Because no. that's what happens. No, because he's he's got so much hunger and he's just got this appetite for it all and he loves it and he's he's yeah. he's just got such a foundation to his game. I mean What if he like falls in love and gets his heart broken though? This we David did discuss. And I are worried about that yeah. scenario. I, I think he is capable of falling in love more than anybody has ever <laughs> fallen in love. <laughs> And that or at could, least thinking that's the that case. Could make it, that could make things interesting. Um, so, we'll you guys, I've discovered this new emotion. <laughs> Watching brief for us from the sidelines. Just, just prepare yourself, folks. Is all we're saying. Uh, this could be a possibility. Um, right. Stefanos sits past under the influence of heartbreak. Can yeah. you imagine? Incidentally, I, I went into Roger Federer's press conference afterwards, and he was so miffed, and yet so professional. It was it was really interesting to watch him under the influence of just being really annoyed and irritated by everything that he hadn't done well, and and some of the questions were irritating him, but he wasn't really reacting. He was just sort of almost closing his eyes and catching his chin so that he could just get through the through the questions and be able to deliver his own answer. Roger, would you, what do you think the year holds for the next gen next year? <laughs> he was actually asked that. Yes. And he took a deep breath and he said, oh, I've, I feel like I've answered this question before and then delivered just the most quotable answer. Yeah, it's, it, was gr- it was great. Um, but, you know, you saw the fires that burn within at the same time. Mm. He, it's... It won't won't take him long, but oh dear, he didn't. He just doesn't like it. He, what he didn't like is that he had chances to to break. He thought he'd got it. He he's, he he felt like he'd thrown them away. That's what he said. And he and and at the same time, he was really not taking anything away from Sitsipas. He he was very fulsome in his praise, not only as uh, as I said, him being as tough as nails, but he said. He's really aggressive, and he does what I do. He's, you know, I was trying to stand on the baseline and, and be aggressive, but that's what he does, and he does it really well, like as better than better than anybody else. I think he's the closest thing to Federer in the game. 
do you think if you had said to Federer before the tournament you can either beat Djokovic in brilliant style in the way he did a couple of days ago and not win it reach the final or you can reach the final or you can win it and not get a win over Djokovic and avenge the Wimbledon final defeat what would he have taken? I think he would tell you that he would take the title <laughs> yes but deep down he would take the win agreed that's what I think and um, I think possibly maybe even at the time he wouldn't have realised how much he wanted yeah the win because he's I been think burying now, that he's been burying that so yeah. that he can deal with it yeah but you saw it you saw it mm-hmm. come out uh, at that moment uh, Catherine mentioned Thomas Burdick and the uh, the on-court presentation today uh, which was which was lovely actually that they they went out their way and they made this a thing and Nicholas Almagro, Marcus Bagdatis, Thomas Burdick, Victor Estrella Burgos, David Ferrer, Marcin Matkowski, Max Murny, Radek Stepanek and Mikhail Yushny. When you see them all lined up like that, it's a lot of players, isn't it, that have just exited the sport this year and retired. Almost all of them younger than Roger Federer. Yeah. Is there any of them older? I think Mikovsky is. Murny would probably be older. Murny. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I think the doubles guy's older, mm. but I think everybody else younger. But I mean, yeah, it's. It was. I, I went into Burdick's um, press conference and just asked him the first question was, when did you know? When did you know this is it? I can take no more. And then how did that? How did you feel? And and he he said it was during the U.S. Open. Um, I mean, he'd started the year quite well, but his body just stopped working. And he said, "I just the main feeling was just relief um, because that I'd come to the decision finally. You know, that I'd accepted it." But he looked totally at peace with it all. He said, "I've got no plans. I don't want any plans. I just want to take every day." And just enjoy the fact that I don't have anything on and just, you know, work it out in the future. And I, I thought, how, how nice. It, I mean, look, it's obviously nice. He's made a fantastic living from the sport. But he has put 15 years in. And I know he hasn't maybe done everything that some of the others have done. But he was really wholehearted and warm when he was discussing that 2010 Wimbledon. That was the highlight for him, even though he didn't win it. The fact that he beat who he beat on the way there, which I think was Federer and Djokovic, and then got beaten by Nadal in the final. His eyes lit up just talking about that. He was clearly so proud about that. There aren't many that have beaten them both in the same tournament. I think we ran a graphic on that today. Um, outside of you know fellow members of the big three, it's him, Nalbandian, Safin and Songa. I think there might be one other, but basically other than Nadal and... Murray, it's, yeah, I mean, it's an mm. elite club. Yeah. Doubles today, uh, Pierre Ugebert and Nicolas Mahou, as predicted by Catherine, beat Lucas Kubot and Marcelo Mello, 6-3, 7-6, into the final. Yep, yet to drop a set. An amazing match that I saw quite a bit of between Raven Klassen and Michael Venus beating Cabal and Farah, 6-7, 7-6, including in a 12-10 tiebreak, and then 10-6 in the third. They were match point up, Cabal and Farah, oh. and I think it will hurt a lot. It's an amazing match. There were some fantastic exchanges. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It, they should have won it, Cabal and Farah. 
They <laughs> they were tight. I mean, both teams were tight, but it was oh god, that was tense. <laughs> it was tense. <laughs> really, it's amazing how tense the doubles guys get. Danny and Greg both say that you get tighter in doubles than you do in singles because you're responsible for someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got someone so, to have to be accountable to. I know, I can imagine that. <laughs> so, Catherine, uh, we have one more to go. Uh, one more podcast tomorrow. Got no mat today. Until the one on Monday. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously, we've got a whole another week of dailies from the Davis Cup finals because Matt is there at the Davis Cup by records of finals, and we will have dailies from there. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a chat with him tomorrow from Madrid to find out what it's all like out there. Uh, that's what I'm going to do, and then we'll have a chat uh, after the ATP finals final uh, so that we can cover what I'm went glad on. You made that sound weird as well I've been making that sound weird all day <laughs> we, we, I haven't found a but we like need some other lingo well the if ATB we were in finals. America we could say championship match but obviously we can't do that because we've got self-respect so ATB, so, fi- ATB finals decider no none of it works I've been through all of this today mm. anybody got any ideas out there that isn't climax oh dear no, I don't think so crescendo no, it's, it's not happening. No, Go none of it works. If anybody's got one, you know, get in touch. At Tennis Podcast. Um, we're brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by tennisballs.com. Uh, our mascot is real with a wire. We have just emptied the bar. <laughs> I mean, do you remember when it was loud and James Brown was playing about 15 minutes ago? Yeah. There are security guards by the door staring us out. They are not Tennis Podcast listeners. No. Not yet, anyway. Well, I mean, they are inadvertently, <laughs> not by choice. Hey, maybe maybe they'll be like the driver in New York who listens. Oh, uh, Rodney. Rodney, who didn't want to listen, <laughs> ended up listening, and now he's a listener. Hello, Rodney. Hello, Rodney. Hope you're doing well, Rodney. Uh, so maybe the security guard over there who, who hates me at the moment is, is, is going to like it in a few days' time. So... As we were saying, we will be back tomorrow uh, with you all week long. We will have our Kickstarter beginning on the 2nd of December. If you'd like a reminder, you can scan down on your uh, on your show notes right now and uh, stick your name down, uh, your email address, and we'll send you one reminder on the 2nd of December if you want to back the Kickstarter and the crowdfunding effort of the Tennis Podcast so that we can do more and more uh, in 2020 if you're enjoying the show. That's really how we pay for it all, so uh, that, would be, that would be great. Um, and is there anything else I've forgotten? I don't think so. Uh, Tennis Podcast Live on 2nd of December as well. If anybody wants to uh, stick their name into the ballot, they can do that as well. That's in your show notes. Um, and, yeah, sign up to the newsletter and tell every human in the world about the Tennis Podcast. Under threat of punishment from David Law. <laughs> Indeed. So, see you tomorrow. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.